Hello, welcome to the NHSR podcast. My name is Chris Bailey. I'm a data scientist at the Strategy Unit. Today will be a newscast. We don't give them episode numbers anymore because they come out in a funny order, so there's no point. But we are recording today on the 28th of March, uh, 2023. And I have Zoe with me. Zoe, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hello, I'm Zoe. I'm a senior data scientist at the Strategy Unit, working with Chris and the NHSR community. So I'm trying to get this better. I, I keep messing up the intro and I forget at least one thing. And I was on a, another podcast the other day that hasn't come out yet. And it was very slick and professional. So I'm feeling a bit inadequate. So I'm trying to get everything right. So we said who we both are. Now I need to say what NHSR is because I forget to do that sometimes as well. So NHSR is a community of users of open source um, data science software, particularly R and Python, but we're very friendly towards other languages uh, in the UK for um, who work in health and social care. Um, we have a GitHub, we have webinars, we have training, we have a podcast, we have a website, we have all sorts of things. Do go in the show notes if you haven't heard of NHSR and um, have a look around and see what's available for you. And the reason why we started doing this podcast is because I was very aware that unless you spend a lot of time on the NHSR Slack, which I do, it can sometimes be easy to miss stuff that's going on. Um, so I thought it'd be a fun way of getting stuff out that's going on in the community. And also I've come to realize in time that actually just talking to someone else about R and recording it can be quite useful because people, everyone knows different things, don't they? So it's just good to have a bit of a chat about various up and coming things. Zoe and I have got an almost perfect record of disagreeing about absolutely every single thing in a friendly way. So I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, interesting conversations uh, as always. Um, right, so let's kick off the news. So the first thing that I want to mention is the um, health and, oh, I keep forgetting how to say it, the Health and Care Analytics Conference, commonly abbreviated to Hacker, which is happening on July 11th and 12th. We've mentioned it previously on the podcast. And I'd like to mention today that the deadline for abstract submission has been extended. So you now until the 14th of April. Um, we have lots of uh, excellent uh, abstracts coming in. I've seen some of them already. Um, there are some really cool R, Python, RAP-based ones as well, which is very exciting. Um, but uh, there's plenty of room for more. And speaking personally, and speaking on behalf of the NHSR community, I would very much like us to have lots and lots of really high quality ones from open source data science tools. So if you're listening to this and you've got something interesting to say, um, then please uh, make an application. So if you want to make a shorter talk, we have a 15 minute short talk option and we also have a poster. So you don't have to kind of come with this amazingly uh, fluid and brilliant thing and talk for half an hour. And we've also had our first conference meeting for the NHSR committee conference, which is um, the conference will be due in October, is it the 17th and the 18th. And so we've just started with the committee and getting together. There's a lot of planning behind these uh, conferences, which you don't see when you attend them. Everything looks like it goes really smoothly. And that's after many, many hours of work. So we were just talking about some of the different things. For example, uh, we talked about, because we put in a survey out to the community about how people would feel about having a mixture of Python and R. And uh, I think you said, Chris, that it was like 50-50, like straight down the middle. Some people didn't want any Python and some people did want it. But we are quite keen to have colleagues come along and talk or even maybe even better when people have got talks where they've used both languages or whether they've crossed over and had to work with people who used a different language to them and they've had to alter their own language or their uses of packages if you're using R so that you can communicate with Python people because that for me feels like the future and that's where Quarto might come into it 
I keep talking about quarter with everybody who cares to listen because it feels like that's where we're going to go. Yes, let's come back to quarter. Let's just keep talking about the Python thing first. Um, so, yes, I feel very strongly about this. I've spoken in favor of this many times. Um, I really want to see Python in our talks there. Um, we're still thrashing out the details, but there will definitely be, um, you know, headline main stage Python talks at the conference. I think we've decided that much already. Um, and what I really want to do, I think that to me, it's a, there's a misconception that when there's a, if you're an R user and there's a Python talk on, you'll be bored and you'll switch off and you'll just want to go and have a cup of coffee. And what I'm really hoping that we'll find through it, well, firstly, that a lot of the things that people say are the same, because most conference presentations are not just full of code. So um, I think a lot of data science talks actually would, it, you know, it doesn't really matter what language they're in. They're talking about, you know, problem formulation and, you know, opening the tools and documentation. You know, they're talking about all the things that we all talk about. Um, so that's the first thing. And also, secondly, just I think it could just be inspiring. So certainly, I mean, I don't class myself as an amazing uh, user of Python, but I have dabbled in Python here and there. And there are lots of really cool things, especially with text. That's why I got into it in the first place, because of using text. Um, there's loads of really cool toys in there in the Python universe. So what I'm hoping is that some of our kind of hardcore R users uh, might be tempted to kind of dabble uh, over on the, the other side. I'd be quite interested to know how people have been using Python with data engineering or data cleaning that kind of level so the the bit in the pipeline where it comes out of sql often you find python in there and that would be really interesting to know so even though i wouldn't necessarily understand python I'm kind of keen to know what people are doing with it um and then maybe even how they may struggle when it gets to things like visualizations the thing and statistics the things where r is really powerful so it feels like your pipeline should be a mixture of languages and how do we cross over so i know that i'll be in those meetings or those 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 talks thinking i don't really understand what people are talking about but i did that when um nhsr first started with the conferences i would go along to the the r things then i was about to say python and i was baffled so i'm expecting that bafflement to be there but that's a good thing seeing people doing some great work yes i remember actually i went to the i think the user conference i think it was in maybe 2012 or something and yeah, I was a very novice I used about them. And I was baffled almost the whole time. People were saying things and I was like, wow, I don't know what, even know what that is. Uh, yeah, bafflement is good. That's a, that's some uh, words to live by. That's what we're looking for. Come to the conference and be baffled. Well, not even always. If you're not baffled, then you should be up there talking is the point. You should be presenting. And if anybody needs any help with putting together the abstracts either for Hacker or for the NHSR conference when we put out for those, that's what the community is there for, just to run ideas past people. Even if you needed to um, run a, a talk past somebody, that can help. Getting that, speaking your presentation the first time is always the hardest and it's always the worst time. So make that with somebody outside the actual presentation periods, it makes it easier. Because you, you did that for me, didn't you, Chris, and for other people in our team. You made us stand up and do the talk in it that when we had to do talks and presentations. And yeah. it was I like your use of the word, I, you horrible. made us. That makes me sound like a terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're more likely. You, know, you suggested strongly that this is a good idea to do. And, we, and I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. And it was horrible. But actually, when it came to doing it, it was just so much smoother. Like, for, for real, it was easier. And uh, it's it's good. It's a good thing to do. 
Yes, quite right. Yes, so we will be doing that. I must say, actually, so NHSR members are providing a lot of help to people who are submitting abstracts for Hacker. Uh, and I'm pretty proud of that because I don't know if there are actually lots of other community members from other places that are supporting abstracts. A lot of it's coming from NHSR. Uh, and it's not even our conference. So I think that just goes to show how <laughs> we'll, awesome we are in general, really. We'll be there, but we won't necessarily be running it. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, right, so that's that. That's the that's the two conferences talked about. Uh, I just thought I'd mention, just because it's a funny thing that happened in the community a little while ago. So we had some technical issues with the webinar. Uh, come on, this was a couple of weeks ago, I think now, wasn't it? So I did an emergency webinar. So if you want to see someone being very flustered and confused for the first five minutes thinking, what on earth am I doing? Then go on YouTube and find me. Um, I did have this planned anyway. I was going to do like a live, live coding with Golem. Golem is a, like a a framework for writing shiny applications uh, and I thought it'd be fun to do some live coding so I had to sort of thought that I would do that in the future but I hadn't planned it at all I just did it just you know off the cuff because we had problems with the the speaker did turn up but they, we couldn't get them the microphone was broken I don't know what happened but it didn't work anyway um, and I think it went pretty well I did felt feel very very flustered for about five minutes but then I started to get into my get into the get into the flow and we've rescheduled Filippo, who is supposed to be doing the introduction to Quarto for our users. So that was that's now going to be on Friday, the 21st of April, 1 till 2. So there was a few people who, including me, who turned up expecting Quarto. It was really exciting and got shiny golem. Um, and people stayed and they must have learned some other things. And we got some great questions. People were really engaged with it. And I, I got distracted because you showed rainbow um, spacing. So where your two spaces are each coloured. So whatever you were saying after that, because I'd missed how you set it up. And so I was looking for that in the tool settings in <laughs> our studio, because there's a lot of rainbow features in there. Rainbow brackets, rainbow spaces. Yeah, I really, I'm, yeah I've been trialing that. So I've got I've got two computers. One of them I've got rainbow spacing, the other one I haven't. So it's kind of a bit of an A-B test between whether, which I think I'm leaning towards rainbow spacing. Um, it's very... The thing is, it's very noticeable. It's not subtle like rainbow brackets are. Mm. So it's arguably a bit much, um, but it does just help you kind of see what you're doing, I think. Yeah, and I just have the grey dots so that I can see the punctuation that's hidden. That oh, helps uh, with yeah, some things. Yeah, I hate the grey dots. Yeah, you've they looked at my gray. screen and gone, oh. Yeah. But it helps <laughs> when you've got uh, bullets and things in quarto or R markdown where you have to have two spaces at the end to make it see the move down. So that's why I was using it because I was doing a lot of uh, presentation slides but I don't see them anymore as in I, I use them but I don't it doesn't irritate me they're not there and if anybody's interested as well with the blinking cursor somebody else mentioned that in one of the training sessions that you can switch it off it's automatically blinking and you can go to tools options and switch it off in one of the options in there I can't can't remember off the top of my head which one it is but there's a lot of settings in our studio we almost should do like uh, our studio kind of master because everybody's got different. Like, mm. For example, I didn't highlight our function call. I've been using our studio since it was invented. Like, when was it invented? I don't know, like nine, eight, nine years ago. I really don't know, but I've been using it for a long time. And I didn't highlight our function calls until last year because I happened to post a screenshot and someone said, dude, why haven't you got that box kick ticked? And I was like, I don't, I don't, I didn't notice it. So, I think everybody's session, everybody's our studio is suboptimal, basically. And we all kind of, you know, had a big thing about it. We could, uh, we'd all have the perfect, the perfect. Um, I can't think what the word. What are they called? Setup. IDE setup. Yeah. <laughs> IDE. Um, right. Yes. Yeah, so, and we've also got another webinar. Um, 
so we've got the did you say the reset you did didn't you friday the 21st of april at 1 yep. p.m introduction to quarto um so and then we've got another one uh oh we haven't written the date down we've got okay. another one the link will be in the in the show notes and we'll put the date in the show notes as well uh, um it's basically a program where you can sort of write r code using kind of natural language using uh chat gpt um i've seen so much stuff with chat gpt that to be quite honest i can't remember if i've played with no i did play with it no I, yes i did i've played with loads of chat gpt toys i'm starting to model them all together in my head but i did play with this one um and yeah it was pretty cool did you make it do your coding for you or your comments or something or have you got to yeah i just got it to write some code yeah i can't remember what i said it asked it to do now but just some stuff and it just did i've it. not registered i've not got around to registering with it so I, I feel like i'm missing out but i'm always a bit late with the the, the fun toys now well i think i mean yeah i think well one or both of us is hosting you know i don't know which one we're hosting so you don't need to register your hosting i guess i don't know anyway <laughs> i need to play with it not yeah so if you wanted to go on any of the webinars and um training sessions and those things on the conference when the details are up they're all through the website which i've been updating a little bit i'm struggling with it because it's uh wordpress and i'm not so used to that but i'm getting there if anybody has any suggestions and ideas for how to improve the website or what it's missing because there's a lot of information about nhsr community that's dotted around and we do bits and bobs in all different places please do send in your ideas but the registration for all the events is through the website which i think is probably the coolest part of the website because um you get all the information through there let's have a discussion about base r versus dplyr pipe you've put that into the the show notes chris oh yes yeah, sorry yes i have um so i saw a tweet i think today from colin fay uh i'll put a link to, to the tweet in the show notes and it says can we use the native pipe in our packages now or is it still too soon um and to me uh it still seems well perhaps actually perhaps i should introduce this but maybe i don't know if will everybody be familiar with this i'll introduce it anyway so um i'm not going to explain the whole concept of a pipe that's probably too much but it, latterly uh our i think r 4.1 has introduced what's called the base pipe so there used to be a pipe in the sort of tidyverse world provided with um magritar and dplyr imparted it and all these sort of imported it and all these sorts of things and we've all used that quite happily for a long time or those of us who use tidyverse have um but now there's in r4.1 there's a base one so it doesn't require any package loads or anything it is in uh base r package um and it is much the same it's not exactly the same it's not a drop-in replacement but it's very very similar um it was funny for me to see this tweet because um it feels really recent to me. I'm very, still very nervous about the, the base R pipe um, because it feels like it's very this new kind of thing that no one's ever heard of. And I always worry about putting it in code and then sending it to people. But, but it's apparently, someone said in the in the thread, two years old. Is it two years old? That's what no they idea. said, yeah. I also erroneously thought that the, the base R pipe had been inspired by the D-player pipe. But I looked into it because sometimes I say things and then I think, where did I get that from? And it looks like it's been something that's been in thinking in concept. People have talked about it for a long time. Base R has been around for a long time. And I don't I don't really know what the history is of it. Why Base R I think it's great, but where it came about, where the motivation came from, I don't know. Maybe it's just they had different developing strategies because it's um volunteers. But I I've just gone all gung ho with all the new stuff. I just throw base R pipe everywhere 
I've introduced it into the new introduction to R&R Studio rewrites I've done as well, just to show people what it is, how to use it. Because I think if you're in your early stages of coding, there isn't that much difference between the two that you'd encounter. It's only sometimes when you have more advanced code that does some of the things that Magrita does that you might start struggling. But I haven't myself struggled, even though I know how the two work. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm all for base R pipe, but perhaps it's not established itself. No, well, I started using it almost immediately, only be, purely because I, I like to run things in clean sessions. I don't like to. I like to import the m most minimum amount of packages I can. I, that seems to be like a Linux. Linux people get obsessed with dependencies. It's it's sort of um, beaten into us. Um, so that's why I did. I just, well, I don't know. You still see a lot of the old pipe around, and I just think with some people. Uh, yeah, and also because it's not a drop-in replacement, so it's not like I can send someone some code and say, oh, don't worry, that's the same pipe, because it's not the same pipe. But you've also had, we've had discussions in our team, and you've had a bit of a thing with Tidyverse and moving away from Tidyverse to the individual packages. And I've struggled with that because Tidyverse is how you get your uh, Magritar, the frilly type of pipe. So if you just load dplyr and ggplot2, you don't have the pipe available to you anymore if you go for the Magritar, but if you go for the Basal, you don't have that problem anymore. Because otherwise, Deep, deep Plier must, must import the Is pipe. Is it Deep sure. then? I thought it was from Tidyverse. I don't Maybe. think so, no. It's, it, deep Plier imports deep it. I'm sure it does, yeah. I'm going to have a go while we're talking. <laughs> okay, you have a go while we're talking. I'm pretty sure, because I write reprexes all the time for like help with, you know, for helping oh, people. That's what, that was my motivation to move. Never mind. Let's do library. So what what's this about putting it in packages though? Is there a problem with it? I think what basically, there? yeah. I mean, I to be honest, I haven't followed the the ins and outs of it, but it would appear that what people were saying was they've avoided doing it because if you're running because it makes your package dependent on R four point one. If you put a base R, I mean, I actually had oh, this problem. If I, I think I actually got burned with this fairly recently. In fact, is that somebody ran my code uh, with an old version of R and it didn't work. So I said, oh, oh yeah, sorry, that's the base R. That's the that's the base R pipe, and it won't work for you. So. Um, the general consensus on the Twitter thread anyway was that it was too soon. Oh, so. right. Wow. I've been just updating everything and doing all the new stuff. Well, I think when we're teaching people and doing examples, I think base R pipe is probably good, isn't it? I think, and that's why I usually say, I think it's usually good to show people new stuff, but to warn them about the fact that the old stuff exists. Because I think you could also, that's the other problem is you get confused, don't you? As you look, you see, a, see the old pipe on Stack Overflow and you just think, you know, what on earth is that kind of thing? Well, that's the difficulty with some of the things that I found with dplyr's change as well with version 1.1.0. There's some really interesting things, but it makes coding better. But if you're just learning now, which quite a number of people I've been training recently are doing, they'll, they need to see the old things because that's what people will have their, on their code. That's what will be on GitHub repositories because it's just changed. And by that, I mean that we've moved from a group by permanent grouping which looks more like the SQL group by to using group by within things like filter or summarize as those functions, which is a bit neater. Well, it's a lot neater and I do prefer it, but the, that's having used both. When you're learning, you're kind of being thrown like, this is the old way, this is what you'll see, but ignore it, because um, you're gonna learn the new way. It's a bit like with Quarto, I suppose, although there's a much better overlap between it, where it's like, you're gonna learn Quarto, which is new, but you're going to see our markdown. People are going to give you old scripts of markdown. 
um, thankfully that one does work really well together and the others do too but it's just when you're first learning to code that's really overwhelming I'm sure. Now it is a bit difficult this dplyr 1.1 because I think uh, probably a lot of people just unknowingly have not won't have it in, you know they won't have the most up to date because lots of people are lazy about updating packages including me. Um, anyway we're, we're actually jumping around the jumping around slightly here aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, Which is not, we not untypical that. for our conversations. <laughs> yeah. um, so did you finish doing your little dplyr test in the background by the way I can see you furiously I, typing away. I had to uh reboot but i'm using the star wars package because i think star wars is now got a star wars package the star wars, wars data, data set, set. in yeah, 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 yeah. which is exciting so i was just looking for something to select with and you're right you're always right dplyr has the pipe so i must have got into a right muddle but there you go star wars instead of empty cars because i i have no idea with that one i mean this possibly slightly illustrates just to come back to my point about tidyverse um and I should say also that although we're talking about this, and I think it's interesting to talk about the way people, obviously everybody codes in a totally different way. And I, I totally, the reason why we've been talking about this is in terms of establishing a code style for the team. So I'm not one of these people that says, oh, you have to do it this way, otherwise you, it's all wrong. Um, but the reason why I don't like Library Tidyverse is precisely because of this sort of confusion about what's in it. So I've had this many times with people, uh, I wouldn't say novices, but people who just don't maybe spend quite as much time well, I was going to say spend quite as much time writing R as I do, but sadly for the, my, those days are slightly over for me now, and that's a different podcast. Um, anyway, uh, I spend my days filling out procurement contracts these days, it would seem. Um, so, for example, the tidy R package is in the library tidyverse, and mm. so is the dplyr package. And when I speak to people, I don't think they always necessarily know which, you know, which function is which. And you could say, well, it doesn't matter that they know which function is which because they can just call library tidyverse at the bottom, and that's true. I just think it's a it's a bit messy. I, I prefer to kind of know what I'm doing. So, for example, if a function breaks the code, I kind of want to know well, I'm updating tidyr or dplyr. It's just a bit messy for me. It's a bit vague. So that's why I don't like library tidyverse personally. I think it does make you think more carefully about what you've installed because if you've got tidyverse, you can you just don't know where your functions are coming from. They just come from this package of packages. So not entirely sure which one entirely it is. That you get and if you have a problem with just an individual one like we did have a problem on the cloud at one point when everything was being updated tidyverse hadn't been updated and it was a dependency package with all the really great messages that tidyverse now do when it loads and when you have some issues in, in dplyr and it was that package that needed updating but if i'd had the individual ones then i would never have had that issue because it was some it's got all messy um and I can't really quite explain it too well because it just became very perplexing. So you're ending up, well, Redar broke. And Redar is a very, very stable package for importing your CSV files. And it wasn't Redar that was broken at all, but it was the surrounding tidyverse and it was a package under that that it was supported. So the training had to sort of move from Redar, which is brilliant for bringing in Tibbles, to the BaseR, which looks slightly different because it doesn't use Tibbles. So it does nothing to your data, but it just looks different when you look in the console. But trying to sort of reconcile this technology problem, it felt like, because the cloud wasn't up to the date, because I hadn't done it in time, and trying to reassure people that this is okay, this is normal, is um, not great when you're first learning. So it'd be interesting to know from those people who did attend those courses just recently as everything got updated. But that, that kind of brings us to another discussion that we were having on our... Because we, we've got this discussion on the GitHub 
about code style. We're, I don't know if we're agreeing or not agreeing at the moment in our team about whether to do package colon colon function name as like a file pathway for these things. I think you like that style, Chris, but Tom and I in the team are a little bit more relaxed about not always being so explicit. Yeah, I think it's so. My basic point is always the same, and it refers to Tidyverse and this is um well this is a habit i picked up from from the golem people actually um it, it, it's not sort of mundane in the it's there's a book engineering shiny applications and you're strongly encouraged to use the double colon namespacing of packages in there um and golem even helps you do that um i think the thing is that i just um people say oh i'm just writing a script just quickly just to do something and that so i'm just going to do it quickly i'm just going to write tell library or i'm just going to load my packages and not you know clearly declare which one is which but the problem is that that little quick experiment that they've done will often get copied into production code that's always my objection you see so i always liked everything i write i always try to imagine you know this will, in fact there's next there's an obligatory xkcd about this so i will dig out let me just make a note to myself that i will dig out the obligatory xkcd uh, and the subject of that XKDCD basically is that if you plan for the future and make sure your code is really robust and will you know scale and everything, it will never get reused. Whereas if you don't plan for the future and go, I just bang it out quickly and don't worry about it, it will be in use forever. Um, yeah, and that's, that's my whole argument with this is I've seen it so many times. It's just this kind of rough experiment in a package or in something really important. And you know that's so yeah. So I like to declare the packages. So I'm always I find it annoying when I read tutorials online, especially in the um, machine learning because they have loads of packages in them i don't know why they have so many packages in the world of machine learning and all the functions i don't know which functions which you know i don't know what package it belongs to because they're not using the double colons and i just get i don't know why i'm just obsessed with dependencies it just irritates me that i'm just confused all the time it is hard if somebody i've had code before where i've gone through it and um they're kind of like languishing aren't they the libraries and so you need to go through the code find out what's being used because it isn't actually normal practice for lots of people to declare your package and your function together like that and then remove all your packages so that so you don't have those dependencies and as you say it's it at the first bit it will be fine but then if you're trying to publish your code and then you don't want it to look untowardly messy you've got things that people might not need and loading that's a bit of work that you then have to do which i have done and it feels like administrative work isn't it you're kind of going in and tidying up your code but if you get it right in the first place, if you get into that habit is what you're saying then, because um, I certainly do that for packages. When I'm writing packages, it doesn't like it if you don't put package, colon, colon, function. And that's nice. I get used to that. I liked that. But then I wasn't too sure if it was just too burdensome to type out each time for your analytical code. But yeah. I think just, well, Python, I mean, you know, I just think it's strange. Python people do this. You know, people in the R world kick against it, but I don't really know why, because they do it in the world of Python. It's like if someone sends me some code, I often have this, like I'm looking at someone's code and there's a problem and it's like, oh, this line doesn't work. But I don't know what package that is. I don't know what, to, you know, like I just don't well, know. You have, you have to put your cursor on it, don't you, and do F1 to see what the, yeah, 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 repeatedly, yeah. but you're like repeat. And then you, and then in ggplot2, sometimes there are functions that don't appear to be functions. They're kind of like hidden it because it's quite, dense code actually for ggplot there's a lot of stuff in there when you're trying to run it in a package and it, it suddenly doesn't work is because you haven't declared one little bit it's good practice i suppose yeah. what and, i'm wondering then, is oh mm. sorry go on 
I was going to say maybe that's why BASAR is a bit nicer because then you don't have the you don't need to do the declaration. But then sometimes there are things where I think they're BASAR, like median. I thought it was like mean, but it's not. It comes from a package. Who'd have known that? Well, it comes from a package that's in. I mean, it, it's in the base install of a, You know, it's it's a package only in a technical sense. It will run from a oh. vanilla R install. Ah. Oh. Because you mean the stats package, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, because the stats package that. is one of the packages that's loaded by the base R, if you see what I mean. Oh, is it? Oh, there you go. I'm learning stuff. Always learning. I do wonder whether if this might be possible. To, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it was possible today. Maybe we could have like an AI program where you just tell it. So you get one with all the libraries and everything, and you say, just read that code, get rid of all the libraries, and put double colon in everywhere. I think there was a discussion, and I can't remember which Slack group it was, whether it was the Government Data Science Slack group or our own and NHSR community, about that. Because I think there was something, because you can do it in the, the R, is it the R Studio or something? You can make it sort of look for all the functions. Oh, well, you, you can do it the other way around. That's what that's the thing that Golem in, includes. Is the, I mean, it's not a Golem function, but they include it in their little package workflow. Is If you've got loads of double colon package calls everywhere, It'll read all the code and then rewrite your description file to to import the correct packages. Oh, which I absolutely love. Honestly, like running that function—that's yeah. the thing I love about programming. I think that's always fascinated me. Is it just makes life so easy, doesn't it? So I just I press that button, and I just imagine how much time I've saved. It's just that's honestly one of my and the same with the oxygen skeleton. Whenever a computer program is something really annoying and complicated for me, it just makes me feel really happy. Well, it wasn't on the show notes, but use this does this. Because it, it just, I'll do like use this for, I don't know, updating something and it'll update two or three things that I hadn't thought of yeah, at the time yeah, and you yeah. don't have to think about it anymore. And it, it feels like they must have spent a long time doing the function to do two or three things which you could have done, but it just, it's just a dream every time you press it. Oh, yeah. like that. I mean, but this is basically what open source is all about is kind people all over the world doing a repetitive task and automating it for, and then giving it to you for free and saying, my present to you is time. And you run it and you just feel happy that there's all this stuff exists rather than having to pay through the nose for it. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, after us, we've gone all poetic now, haven't we? Um, <laughs> right. What are we? We're actually skipping around slightly, which is confusing me. So, uh, so you're going to talk about the Living Library. So the government data science community have put out their newsletter. So if you go onto the Slack group, you can go onto the Slack group if you're from a uh, civil service, government agencies, NHS, public sector, local authorities, um, they have an initiative and it's on their website as well. So I'll put the link on because they've got a new site trying to bring all, together all the resources that they're tied up with. Something that we need to do for NHSR community as well um, about the living library. So it's a little bit like the idea that um, NHSR community was involved with with HexiTime a few years ago, but this is across government and includes public sector, where you can sign up with your own sort of knowledge that you want to share with others, like you're a library. And I suppose people take um, you as a person for a bit. You get the get somebody's time and sort of like check them out and use their knowledge and then send them back in. But it's across government. So there may be people that you may not have necessarily encountered or people may have experiences or um, knowledge that could be really useful. For example, we're trying, this is not a data science thing, but we're trying to move towards York, uh, my family and I, and my husband is obsessed with the flood risks around York. And he works in an organization in the civil service where he 
actually just by chance got to talk to somebody about their data about floodplains and it is really really difficult is it's very tricky data um and the publicly available data has to come with caveats which doesn't necessarily make it very easy to sort of navigate and understand and i think it's a bit like that where you might be like yeah i want to do this work with say travel between two destinations has anybody done any of that in r or python or have any understanding about public sec uh, public transport let's say and how it differs from uh, other transport links that's the kind of thing i'm quite excited by it because i'm going to put my name down for things about training maybe maybe r <laughs> maybe a little bit about r um and maybe communities because running communities is a thing in itself and trying to connect with people who run communities is interesting just in the detail of running it so i'd encourage people to put your details in there and also check it out as public sector people yes i really want to do that that sounds really fun and uh yes community building communities is really hard isn't it i think this is sort of naive assumption that you just get a load of people who like the same thing and just throw them at each other but actually in practice doesn't doesn't work at all is it you need to kind of do a lot of structured work and you know know what you're doing basically right um we had a find um in the find channel the other day that i like the look off that i'll put a link to in the show notes i've completely gone off piece now just for zoe's reference i'm just going through the show notes just in what other <laughs> order because we've slightly gone off track haven't we so never mind let's just go for it um so it's basically it's a github um repo that, that helps you to make your first contributions uh so it's just somewhere basically where you can just make a pull request you know set up your account make a pull request sort it out get it put in and get it merged in and it's the it's the fundamental building block you know this idea uh of um you know contributing code and that being pulled into the main code base that's the the foundational concept in all of open source that's you know that's what allows people to collaborate uh, and getting started is, is quite difficult so i've helped quite a few people over the years get started and it's really nice to see that once you've got them started they start making pull requests all over the place which is awesome um so there's just a nice little repo that's all set up there nicely uh to um allow you to do that in a simple way i tried to do one on github uh, but i didn't get very far with it because i i just got distracted where you can practice doing branching and commits and things but in a game of minesweeper i think it's run by github itself and I'll, I'll dig out the link for that one as well. So I had a go, but it's all run by bots in a sense. So it's all computerized, automated. So you don't necessarily have to sort of um, need somebody else to sort of help unpick your mistakes or anything because it's just all automated, which is nice. We've done that before, haven't we? We've had merge conflicts and things on our own repositories, which is fun. But that's, yes. that's the nature of GitHub and version control and collaboration. Yes, when I started using GitHub for collaboration, it was hideous. Things seem to be a lot more structured now. There's, yeah, there's various things that you need to avoid. Um, right, we're running out of time. Do you want to just mention the um, the training, Zoe? And yes, then we'll wrap up. So the training has been, uh, I rewrote it for some courses that I was running just this year end period. I took the NHSR introduction to R&R Studio, the original coursework, and split it out into sections. So it gives a bit more flexibility to the trainers. All of the course materials are on the NHSR GitHub. And the focus so far is about data manipulation. So the kind of the, the target analyst audience and data science audience is possibly those who do data cleaning, like 
SQL analysts do and some people who use Excel. And I'll be expanding on that using the existing course materials to think about ggplot2, but as a, a different kind of section, I think. So the two course materials are available at the moment, but I think that might become the future because there's a lot of the new stuff I was able to do. As it was coming in, I was rewriting and still am rewriting a few bits just to incorporate that new coding. So the old slides are still available for people for their volunteering if they would like to do Introduction to R&R Studio, but then um, do check out the Intro to R&R Studio, as it's called, which is also on the GitHub site. Yes, yeah, so I think we're sort of going towards modularity there. That's um, I'm obsessed with this idea. We need sort of kind of like personas, like I'm an mm. R user and I want to do this. I'm an R user and I want to do that. Um, I think up till now, we've just been very kind of like, this is R and just throwing it at people. And I think we need to kind of refine it down a bit now because people, obviously everyone is so, you know, when you, everyone is so different. Like, for example, you and I don't have a lot of overlap. I don't think really in terms of what we do, like you're really heavy on the kind of data side. And I've yeah. just, you know, I'm just saying, well, I started with stats and then I ended up with reporting and dashboards. With a bit yeah, of stats I, I, I haven't got to dashboards yet. You keep trying to encourage me. To no, well, I'm, I've no better than to talk to you about dashboards on the podcast, sorry, because <laughs> you'll swear and then I'll have to edit it all out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing the data bit, the, the beginning part with SQL. That's my favorite area. So that's where I started with that training. But then I'll do a bit more for the other bits like... um. Ggplot2 and visualizations. But when you say personas, it's also quite useful to think about I'm an Excel user and I would like to use R to clean my data. Or I'm an Excel user and I would like to use statistics because, or SPC charts because I use it, but I want to produce hundreds of them. How do I do that? And so maybe that's what we also need to think about in terms of learner persona. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. So it's almost like I'm this and I want to get here. So I'm an Excel user and I want to do this. I'm a whatever SAS user and I want to do this um well I, I think the difference between someone who primarily uses Excel and primarily uses SQL and I'm just quoting you you, you this is I'm getting this idea from you this is what you said to me it's it's quite big isn't it in terms of their mm -hmm. way of reasoning um anyway this is we've had a great discussion but actually we're running out of time and I'm a bit <laughs> panicked <laughs> that we're gonna get suddenly cut off so I'm gonna wrap it up there um so uh what do I say at the end um I'm, I'm getting so pressured I wanted to do it perfectly that I'm messing it up. Um, so thanks very much for Zoe for coming on. I'm going to thank, thank myself one more time for doing the editing because I used to thank Tom many times. It'll be me editing it again. In fact, actually, I don't know if I will edit because I think this is almost a perfect one take, but I'll see in the in the in huh. when I look back. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you have any feedback about the episode or anything that you'd like to hear, uh, do get in touch. The address is nhs.rcommunity at nhs.net. We will, of course, have links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. Uh, don't worry if you're getting bored of newscasts. We haven't had a guest for a little while. I've been lazy um, organising them, but we have two special guests uh, coming up uh, quite soon. From, special guests from the uh, from the NHSR community. So, with all that said, uh, thanks again to Zoe. Thanks again to you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.